It is Wednesday, my dudes. Welcome to another episode of the Wednesday Pool List. My name is Lex, and I'm here with my co-host, Simon. What's up, bud? Hey, man. <laughs> Switching it up, I see. Yeah. <laughs> what do you usually say? Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. <laughs> yeah, there it is. <laughs> it didn't feel right without it. And this is a podcast where we talk about all of the latest nerd news. Well, really, only the nerd news that pertains to us. And then we talk about comic books for about an hour. So if you're into that, stick around. One thing that I did want to say, though, I wanted to preface with some people, and I've been trying to explain it to other people that I've talked to online, is like, yeah, you may not want a deep dive into issues. Like, maybe that's not what you're looking for. But the podcast can still be for you. Like, the first 30 or so minutes is just, you know, general nerd talk. So if you want to come in, hang out for the first 30 minutes, or maybe you don't like general nerd talk, you can just pop in at the, you know, 30-minute mark. Then you can talk about comic books with us. Yeah, man. So we got a little bit of something for everybody. Yeah, we make jokes in yeah. there, too, sometimes. Sometimes we're funny. Sometimes. And then sometimes we just nerd <laughs> out on books and talk about how much we hate them. Yeah. But, yeah, we got a little bit of something for everybody. So if you're still here, stick around. <laughs> if you've made it this yeah. far. <laughs> don't go. Please don't leave us. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if you heard about Keanu Reeves coming up with this comic book, Berserker. I did, yeah. I immediately was like, eh, that's not going to be for me. First of all, I have a weird, I like Keanu Reeves, but like, I don't like Keanu Reeves. What I like about Keanu Reeves is he's the perfect avatar. Yeah for other people like so when you watch a keanu reeves movie you're like i am this yeah. character you know what i mean like that's why so just i don't know like a template person yeah. <laughs> he's funny in cyberpunk because i always have a problem when they start a sentence like missing a word so it's like instead of i'm gonna it's like gonna go down to the market <laughs> you know like it, it just sounds very robotic yeah, coming yeah. from him it doesn't sound like someone who talks like that yeah, he's real bad about that. So the upcoming Berserker number one is leaving a huge mark on the comic industry. Previously kickstarted ahead of its Boom Studios publication, the new series is being made by Keanu Reeves and co-writer Matt Kind. We just read Folklords by Matt Kind. Okay, that's yeah, I thought so. And the artwork is by Ron Garney. And it looks like it's going to be one of the highest selling comic books in years. Uh, Garney took to Facebook to reveal the sales for the first issue. It's insane. Hmm. People love Keanu Reeves that much. Like, the book doesn't look that good. Wow. So he got on Facebook and said that they have surpassed 600,000 copies for the first issue. That's crazy. I was going to pass on it, and I probably still am. But one of my favorite artists, uh, Dan Mora, he is the illustrator from Once in Future. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, he did a variant cover, which just looks amazing. But that's the problem with some covers. Like, you'll buy a, co a comic book because of the cover and then the interior artist will be different so it's like yeah yeah <laughs> when the cover artist is so much better like if it's something like art germ yeah and he does like a the cover and you're like okay obviously the whole book's not gonna look like this but yeah there's no way but when someone that does books like he's like an interior artist mm -hmm. does the cover and you're like what is this shit yeah it's terrible disconnect i don't know do you have any interest in berserker i don't know I, I'm curious about it. I would like to kind of know what it's about, but I'm not going to go out and buy it or anything. My only thing is that it's probably going to be a movie if Keanu Reeves is tied to it. Yeah. 
It's got a lot of John Wick vibes to me, so I feel like they're going to try to pigeonhole him into that character because it was so popular. I mean, I get Like, he's old, you know? Why not? He is old. <laughs> Why? He's, old. he's always... We're going to end our notes with Keanu Reeves, too, so I'm, I'm interested to see what you think about that. Oh, yeah. Well, and Keanu Reeves is... He's getting kind of old, and he's always kind of been that character. I mean, Neo and all that. Other, I mean... Mm-hmm. Like the the random badass. Yeah, even but when he does have like a serious role, like the Devil's Advocate or like Dracula or whatever is Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah, it's so bad. He's bad. He's not that good. So it's better to just have him as this silent badass. <laughs> I think he's funny. I don't think they do that enough. Yeah, he can be funny. Yeah. Bill and Ted, he's pretty funny in that. Yeah, but yeah. I feel like he's just being himself. Yeah. I mean, he's not. <laughs> he's not acting. He just loves riding motorcycles and hanging out, man. Playing air guitar with his friends. <laughs> <laughs> he's in a band yeah that's he's a weird guy i like him i feel like i like him as a person yes yeah I, I feel like i'm not a big fan of his movies like people love constantine i don't really like that movie. i like it but it's not i'm not like going around like this is the best you constantine? have you seen that shit <laughs> all right so bleeding cool reported that dc comics is preparing a name change for a pretty popular character Black Adam. Mm. They're pushing Black Adam a lot because of the Brock movie coming out. The site reports that the character of Black Adam will be changing his name to Shazadam. That's what that was. You tweeted something yeah. with Shazadam. No, you <laughs> said your, your name. name. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Which quickly, the internet ripped that apart. Yeah, it's stupid. If you're familiar with Brian Michael Bendis, he has a way of ruining things. And apparently that was his idea. Keeps getting keeps getting money. Keeps getting yeah. Paid. But right after this happened, they announced that he was no longer exclusive to DC Comics. He's still working with them, but he's no longer he can see other people at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. Later on that afternoon he tweeted out, Rumors are stupid. <laughs> and that was it. So uh what do you think about the name? Shazadam. That's just dumb, man. Shazadam. I just a I lot of times and I, I feel don't like DC hate it. I don't hate it, but it is stupid. You know what I mean? Like it is stupid. But comic books are stupid. Right. I, yeah, right. I hope I can say that without getting gripped apart by comic book fans, because I am a comic book fan. But they are. There's a lot of things that happen in comic books where you're just like, yeah, that's stupid. But yeah, you kind sure, of just, sure. just kind of go with it. Yeah, I mean, it fits if Shazam is his enemy. I guess Shazadam, yeah. It is dumb, though. Yeah, it is dumb. It is very dumb. They they have gone on record saying that that's not happening. Or I guess in a backwards way, they've gone on record saying that's not happening. You know, part of me thinks that it came from somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I want to be in the room. I feel like DC gets the, they a lot more things make it to print. A lot of mistakes, a lot of bad ideas make it to print with DC. And I just kind of want to be in that room, like in the press room or... You know, the idea room, and they're just like, okay, I got this idea. They pull out the big <laughs> piece of paper, and they have The Rock. We're going to change it, because this is what we're going to change the movie name to. It's going to be Shazada. <laughs> and everyone's just, like, standing up and clapping. <laughs> they're just like, yeah! I imagine, see, what I imagine about DC Comics is I feel like every writer there is from the 50s. Like, I feel like everyone that worked, like, the heads at DC Comics are the people that wrote the original Superman. So they're like, listen here, see, like we said last week, like, listen here, see, okay, 
I've got yeah. th- something for you real quick. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I'm going to tell you real quick. All right. We're going to go. Hey, we got a new name. We got a new name. It's a uh, Shazam. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like, but I think the real problem is, is that AT&T is in charge of everything. So I feel like they control the room and then all the writers, are, like they come up with the ideas. And all the writers and creators are like, man, we don't want to get fired. We have bills. So they're like, yeah, we'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think the problem is they're all, they have to talk on cell phones even in the, when they're in the same room. <laughs> and the connection's not great. Yeah, right. AT&T's not very good. <laughs> they just need to hire like us or just like two normal guys. You know, you have the extreme fans out there that are like, die on their hill for Superman or Batman. We're kind of just like, eh. Yeah. Yeah, Shazam's Adam's dumb. Yeah, they should. They should also hire us for Congress. Real working, regular ass dudes. Just ask us our opinion. Not no, we don't have any decision power or anything. Just like, all right, guys, we want to tell you, we're coming out with Shazam. What do you think? We're like, well, it's not the worst thing in the world. (laughs) What the fuck is that? But it's it's really, really bad. Yeah. What? Yeah. What are we talking about here? Shazam. What is that? (laughs) So Shazam's not happening. But now I kind of wish it was. (laughs) <laughs> and i also want to know did they trademark that name mm. because then we could come out with a book you know called shazadam and then get sued by warner brothers yeah why not shazadam <laughs> speaking of terrible ideas in comics in adventures 42 we learned thor's origins have been slightly retconned some people say in a big way i say sure (laughs) so there has been this big so the avengers comics i don't have enough time to break down how bad they've been (laughs) but turn your board over hold on (laughs) (laughs) but there has been this sort of tournament going on about who will be the next host of the phoenix it sounds cool I feel like it was just a, a reason for Marvel to put out a bunch of different Phoenix-style costumes. Like, Captain America has a Phoenix suit, and Black Panther. So they're just trying to maybe sell toys. I don't know what they're dealing Yeah, there's going to be variants, for sure. For sure. But Thor hates the Phoenix, and we learn why, maybe. It's too it's hot. Like, it's like an underlying thing. Phoenix reveals to Thor that she, it, is his mother. So not Freya, not sometimes it's Gaia, not Gaia. It's Phoenix. Like so, the like the entity, not yeah. uh, not Jean Grey. Right. Phoenix. So uh, there was a prehistoric Avenger book that came out earlier this year about Odin and this really cool ghost rider that rode a mammoth, which that was cool. Right. There was a Black Panther <laughs> and the Phoenix. And apparently Odin banged that Cave woman Phoenix and Thor gushed up in her. I don't know. I don't know the specifics of it. Odin is Odin, so he could have had sex with the entity and birthed Thor. Yeah, I mean it's. I mean it's a typical god story. It could be yeah. Greek, you know. So a lot of people are like, "Why would you do that?" And I'm just like, the same thing with Shazam. It's dumb, but who? No one's really reading it, and that's how I know no one's really reading it because it's like they're just doing whatever they want now. Yeah. Hmm. I do like the new Thor look, but I haven't really read any of it. I think he looks pretty, very cosmic. Yeah, and it's not even tied to that, which is great. It was just weird. Donny Cates is doing that was started the newest Thor run, and it's really, really good. But it ties into more of like the King and Black stuff. 
mm-hmm. which is a whole other rabbit hole that we're not going to go down. Wrapping up our trending news today, Sony Pictures has offered Keanu Reeves the role of Craven the Hunter in the Spider-Man villain's solo spinoff movie. Say that five times fast. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think I was going to make it. That's good. You did good. Part of the Sony Pictures universe of Marvel characters, which is like Tom Hardy's Venom, Morbius, and I think there's another one. I guess that's all that's actually been announced for coming. Yeah, that's it. Craven is described as a mashup between rated R action dramas, Man on Fire, and Logan. Mm. Sony has made an official offer to Reeves, but the starring role in Craven is not done yet. He hasn't accepted it. There's no official offer or anything like that. Like as far as like money, they just said, "Hey, man, if you want it, it's yours." And Keanu Reeves is like, "Oh." Let me think of size, bro. Yeah, I don't know, dude. I got this motorcycle. I got this motorcycle manufacturer. I got it, dude. So what do you think about Keanu Reeves as Craven? Why don't you ask me what I think about a solo Craven movie? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure Keanu Reeves would be a fine Craven, whatever. Do I think that Craven the Hunter needs to be in a solo movie without Spider-Man? Unless Spider-Man's in this movie, I don't give a shit. Yeah. I feel, I I don't know enough about Craven in, any universe beyond spider-man you know i'm sure he has backstory i mean that's where the drama exists though i yeah exactly that's where you the the care that's where you care about the character because he wears that stupid lion vest which is actually kind of cool and he fights spider-man super cool yeah Yeah, i'm the same man you said it i can't say any better who cares Keanu Reeves is it's one of the they know they have to get a name like that to make people give a shit about it. It couldn't it can't be Tony Stevenson starring as Craven because they would be like, I don't give a shit about anything about that movie. Yeah, and I think you know, if you could make it as long as you if you can make it a good movie without me knowing anything about this character, other than the fact that his name is Craven, sure, that could be all right. Same with Morbius. You out, Same with you Morbius. You find out his first name is Steve. Steve Craven. And the movie's called Steve. Steve Craven. And he's like a business guy, and he has a leopard print briefcase. <laughs> right, and he owns a chain of restaurants called Craven's Cravings. <laughs> and then one day, one day a spider, a spider, a spider lands on his windshield, he crashes his car. <gasps> and he's late to work, and he gets fired. <laughs> and then he meets Spider-Man. He's like, I hate you. I hate spiders. We'll take our check anytime now, Sony. Yeah, thanks. It's the same thing with Joker. People love Joker. I don't love Joker. It's okay. Just because. It's like the most interesting thing about these characters to me are their rivals, rivalries with the heroes. Right. Yeah. It has to be shown from that perspective. You have to see it from the hero's perspective. I, you can at me. I'm just saying, like, you have to see from the hero's perspective, like, their antithesis, right? Yeah. If you're seeing it from the villain's perspective, like you can humanize. So one thing the Joker did do as well is humanize that character, but that's not even like the Joker. But that's yeah, that's the opposite of what that character is supposed to be. <laughs> so, right. It'd be cool that at the at the end of the movie, Arthur Fleck is just like walking down an alley or something, and then you see this guy in complete Joker get up, like you know, offer him a handkerchief or something, and then electrocute him with the hand <laughs> that movie would be an oscar winning movie if that happens and i'd be like okay this is great you know what somebody even though you and i both know where arthur fleck came from but i was listening yeah. to another podcast and someone had said 
isn't it funny that his initials are Affleck and that's who was playing Batman at the time? It's like, all right, so fair yeah, enough. Yes, I guess. But that's a pure coincidence. Yeah, all right. What a twist. <laughs> God, that made me hate that movie even more. <laughs> well, that's going to do it for our trending topics. We are going to listen to some ads. Then we'll be right back to review a comic book. Today we are going to be reviewing Bitter Root. I cannot wait to hear what Simon thought about it because I loved it. Spoiler alert. That's it. That's a review. Game over. See you guys <laughs> yeah, next time. Bye. All right, guys. Enjoy these ads. And if not, oh well. Listen, if you're like me, you're tired of going out on the hunt for great pops or NECA figures and finding empty or destroyed displays. That's where Galactic Toys and Collectibles comes in. They have a great selection of Funko, NECA, Gunpla, and trading cards. All your nerd essentials. Their stock is always rotating, so you never know when they'll have that thing that's sold out everywhere else. Use our affiliate link through my Instagram, SimonToast, in the description or on our website, and surf their stock. You never know what you'll find, and it will really help out the show. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a ton of questions. How do I record an episode? How do I edit? How do I get my show on all the podcasting apps? Well, the answer to all of these questions is pretty simple. It's Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. Simon and I love Anchor. Honestly, we record, we drop it in Anchor, and it's automatically distributed out to our community. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start, and I can't wait to hear your podcast. Are you on the hunt for great import collectibles for a great price? Well, check out SaviorCalCustomsAndCollectibles.com. They have great figures and model kits based on your favorite anime, comic, or movie heroes. They sent us a 30-minute mission model kit, and it was awesome. These are from Bandai, and they're modular mechs and can be mixed and matched with awesome accessories, and they make great army builders. From Nendroid to Mezco, these are your guys. They even do customs. Check out XavierCalCustomsAndCollectibles.com. That's X-A-V-I-E-R. C-A-L, Customs and Collectibles.com. All right. Welcome back, folks. Thank you for taking the time to listen to those ads. And as usual, if you didn't, that's okay, too. This is part of the podcast where we are going to review a trade. Some people might say it's a trade review. <laughs> All right. So this episode of the podcast, we are reviewing Bitterroot Volume 1 Family Business. It was written by David F. Walker and Chuck Brown, illustrated by, oh, Sanford Green, I think. Sanford and Son. Sanford Green is the artist, yes. Once known as the greatest monster hunters of all time, the Sangerye family specialized in curing the souls of those infected by hate, but those days are fading. A terrible tragedy has claimed most of the family, leaving the surviving cousins split between curing monsters and killing them. Now, with the new breed of monsters on loose on the streets of Harlem, the Sanger, the Sanger Ye family must come together or watch the human race fall to an untold evil. I'm going to tell you right now, 
the hardest thing about this book was that G D name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like there were a lot of unknown names and words that were like mm. why couldn't you just give them a name a regular name yeah like the smiths <laughs> so i pronounce it as sanger yay or as you can tell by my synopsis i say it multiple ways <laughs> throughout the, the, the reading of the one book. of them's got to be correct man yeah. you just gotta <laughs> throw it out there bitter volume one contains issue one through five if i'm not mistaken Still an ongoing series, and it is at issue 10. So another... Yeah, they have another volume out. Yeah. So, initial thoughts without giving away too much. I just want to know if you liked it. Oh, boy. I did. Good. I really did. I really liked it. Reading some of it, I was like, this is this is going to be Simon's thing right here. And this it actually, like 97% of it was Simon's thing. <laughs> like, yeah, man. Like, I can already tell... This is just predictions. You don't have to say if I'm right or not. I can already tell that you dug the art style. I can already mm-hmm. tell that you liked all the, the little gadgets, like the guns, the weapons, the tubes, the groibles. What did you call them? What is it? Greebles. <laughs> yeah, Someone greebles. else used that word recently, and I smiled because I, I was like, I know that word now. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to go into issue by issue. And if you've been around for a while, you know we're trying to perfect perfect the summary. Last week's episode... We fell into the same old going panel by panel. This time, we're going to try a different method. We're going to try not to go panel by panel. That's the that's the, new method. That's the entire new method. Yeah, we're going to try not to. There we go. <laughs> I'm going to do issue one, and Simon's going to do issue Trust. two, so on and so forth. And we'll talk about our thoughts on each issue leading up to the grand finale, the toaster scale. Yeah, all the way to issue 10. So buckle in. It'll be four hours of your life that you'll never get back. Yeah. So, issue one. We're going to start off, obviously, with the first issue. It sets us up in New York in the 1920s. I can tell you right now that I was a sucker for the art straight out the gate. They set the tone very well. We're in Harlem, and that's where the main family lives. Sanger, Sanger, yay. Um, Sanger, yay. Sanger, yay is the family name. Many believe their shop is just to make medicine and herbs and things like that, but... They also protect the city and all of humanity from monsters. The issue starts off introducing pretty much all the main characters, or some of the main characters. I guess not all of them. We meet Ma Etta, who has been in the family forever. She's old. Old as hell. Then we have Blink. She is another, sort of like, plays the part of the woman in the family. Mm-hmm. she's the helper to Ma Etta, but she wants to do more. She wants to get out there. She wants to fight. She knows that she has it in her. I want to be where the people <laughs> yeah, are. Exactly. We get to, I want to see, we get to see <laughs> Cullen and Berg. They're on the roof of the shop fighting a couple of monsters. Mm-hmm. Cullen is kind of worthless. It's a young Berg is, first of all, I had to read all of his comic bubbles twice. <laughs> and he used words that I, yeah, I, sh- I, I, oh man, those are super I, SAT I words. Look, I had to look them up. Let's just say I had to look them yeah, up. Yeah, don't feel bad about that. I was like, I know one of these words. <laughs> Some of them I could get to the context of them. I was like, I hope that word sure, means that. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. So we get to, and immediately we get to see Blink as a character sort of develop. She goes against Etta's wishes. Etta's like, hey, this is how the thing the family are. The women make the medicine. The men do all the fighting, hunt the monsters, and bring the monsters back for us to cure. Because their main thing is curing them. 
they try not to kill him because the monsters you learn are humans that transform into monsters called Jinus mm-hmm. because the hate in their heart. Mm-hmm. Berg is watching Cullen struggle with this monster, sort of like how people get pushed in the water. Like you learn how to swim, like you got to figure it out. You know, like you do right. this. If I help Trial you, by I, fire. yeah, I always help you. That's why you still suck. So he's letting him do this. Obviously, he won't let him get killed, but. Blink goes up there and she shows him like, hey, these are monsters. We aren't supposed to be playing around. She shows that she is that fighter that she wants to be. Beats the crap, punches this monster, knocks him out. Yeah, with her fist. Like, yeah. So that's the one thing is Colin is wearing like these power fist type whatever. Uh And she just hits the monster with her regular ass hands. Like, (laughs) yeah, knocks it out. Yeah. But she still falls back into that role sort of. She goes back downstairs. I really think it's important, though, that they show this early on because you know from the get-go that this story is sort of about the olden times. It's Like I said it before, it's in the 1920s. As you know, women in their 20s, women in general back then, and even today, don't really get all the equal opportunities that men do. Yeah. And so it kind of shows sort of progress that she gets to slip into that every now and then. Uh, we also kind of get the vibes that this is going to be a racially driven story. Yeah, for sure. I mean, time period alone. Yeah. You know. You get to see some of the cops, small conversations with the cops at the beginning. Even though there is a black cop and, you know, the one of the white cops is like, hey, these are people. And they're like, no, they're they're into that mumbo jumbo. I don't mess with that. <laughs> <laughs> I did think that was kind of funny. I think I wrote a note about that. It's like within within every sect small sect like you even hear that among the black community like they will make fun of someone that is darker than them which is interesting and then he's like no those aren't my people because whatever reason uh i just Mm -hmm. find that really interesting that there will always be someone lesser than you and in this entire story i appreciate because i i I, as someone that's a mixed race person and lighter tone i've never felt like I belonged in in areas that just given times, not as a whole, but I feel like they did a good job. It kind of like they mixed all of these races and to, and everything together. Like as far as a community, like there's a black cop with white cops, even though you get the hateful side of it, you get the hateful and extreme sides mm-hmm. of it, but you also get sort of that unity. Like you get later on, we'll talk about some other things, some other examples of that. Yeah. We also get introduced to, you might have to remind me of the names, I didn't write it down, to what seems to be the villain, the antagonist. I think it's Sylvester. Sylvester, Dr. Sylvester and Miss Nightingale. Knightsdale. Knightsdale. I had to look that up because I read it as Nightingale too. Ah, so Miss Nightsdale. You don't get too much of them, but this first issue starts off strong. You get introduced to the characters very well, I feel like. Mildly introduced to the villains. It comes off as fun but then it also hits you with a lot of realness really fast uh, mm-hmm. it's a family that hunts monsters and that's the gist of it but you also get you know sort of the gender roles you get a little bit of the racial tension and it just it sets the story up very well what'd you think about issue one uh, i thought it was great i i did like the way they were introduced it wasn't you know i we've mentioned this a million times and we'll continue to mention this like I like being dropped into a, to a story. I don't want too much backstory or too much unnecessary like dialogue before I understand what's going on. Just kind of let it flow with the story. I think that's the way it needs to be. Yeah. Drop in inferences to the backstory as we're going along. I really, really enjoyed it. You know, 
I don't know. It was great. I really, really enjoyed it. I can't, I can't say that any more than that. <laughs> so far, all the characters seem likable, even those two goofy cops. Yeah. Well, and I mean, there's, there's some big deal. Like, there's some stuff. Obviously, so the, the ending of the first issue is like the reveal of another one of the characters, and it's, you know, he saves this black man from being lynched. And uh, oh, damn, was that an issue one? Yeah, and that that plays a lot into. Like you said, the the the, the racial part of the the book because it's a black. It's basically all these monster hunters are a black family. It's gone through their generations, mm-hmm. and like you said, the genu or genu, however you want to say it. I said this. I said it the same way twice. Genu or the genu, however you want to say. It. <laughs> like you said, it's all about hate. So even when you see these like lynch mob trying to take this guy out, like. You see it in it. So, so he saves him at the end, but they don't really dive into the fight until the second episode. Right, 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 right. Okay, so that's what I was thinking. I, for, I totally forgot that was in that. Yeah, but I mean, you see, there is another thing where these cops are decapitated by this big monster, and and they start to realize that something's kind of up. It's it's not really their usual forte. They're usually taking out the genuine. Now this is something else. Though, so, man, I can't. I don't know. Honestly. I can't see anything. <laughs> Nothing is wrong with this book. I really enjoyed yeah. it. The colors are amazing. I feel like they're very period accurate for some reason. That kind of, I don't know if that's the correct terminology, but it just, everything is like a nice green and like. It sets the tone very well. Yeah. It's like someone turned the tent to green. Yeah. Um, But boy, howdy. Yeah. It's a good, it's a good first yeah. issue. It really explains the backstory, explains the conflict. It's great. Yeah, the the backdrop of Harlem in the twenties is just like the way they portrayed it is perfect, and it is it's like an additional layer because it almost it immediately falls into the background. It becomes like sort of the secondary story once you start seeing these monsters. But like you said, it, it mixes that fantasy world with the visuals kind of of that area, and then the way the colors and everything just kind of it all blends together with it really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one of those books that. You really read issue one and you get into it and you're like, damn, I really hope this isn't the top. Right. I, you know, I will say, so there are some cops and you mentioned it's black cop and white cop because of the color. Sometimes uh, people are kind of racially ambiguous. Uh, yeah. The grand, the uncle is like that to me. Yeah. Um, so, you know, who knows? I, I kind of, I really like that because there are some yeah. facial features that become stereotypical and i appreciate that they didn't like i feel like that was on purpose yeah yeah, there are some that's kind of obvious just based on uh facial hair and whatever uh but there are some that are are very difficult to figure out which i appreciate yeah at one point they have a picture of their like a family picture behind them and it looks like they have white people asian people and black people all in the same picture just because it's very ambiguous like the colors and then their facial features are ambiguous in this picture which nothing says that it you know that that's not true it it could definitely be um yeah for sure yeah issue one was good again sanford green i was a fan of his before and it didn't real. i've never i've seen like commission work from him i've never seen an actual book that he did it and uh man yeah dude I was a fan. I was a fan of the style. Yeah. Oh, uh, one thing that we, I will mention is the end of the book with this other member of the family that saves this uh, guy from the lynch mob. That actually happens in Mississippi. So we have a story mm-hmm. happening in Harlem. Harlem and in Mississippi. 
we start issue two with Ford, which is the other family member who's kind of like moved away from the main family in Harlem, um, saving this guy from the lynch mob. That happened at the end. But here, you know, he shot all those guys in the head, but he left one, left one guy. Yeah. Who's at first is like really angry, but then in the background you see like all these guys are coming back to life, and uh-huh. he starts to realize like he's regretful, but all these guys because they had hate in their heart, as you said, that creates the generator. They become like these monsters, so mm. he has to kill them all again. And it's it's crazy to see this. Like I will say, this book is kind of hard to pin down and not talk about panel by panel because it switches perspectives so quickly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, you know, you see a little bit of that. You see these guys coming back. So, you know, that death isn't the end for these characters that have so much hate in their heart. But then we go back to the forest with this big monster that they see that can talk, which they're not used to as far as Jin Yu are concerned. Yeah. Berg and Cullen are dropping the bodies off of people that they healed in issue one. Right. Yeah. Which puts them in a bad spot because. These cops see him and they're like, y'all are the, y'all are the people that are attacking people in this part. And it just kind of looks odd. Yeah. And it does a really good job at like kind of back in the day, cops see or cops just see, know about crime and see black people and how many black people just got pinned for crimes just because they were there. Right. Yeah. So this monster is just kind of existing there and. You know, he decapitates one of these cops that catch him. This other cop is pretty much eviscerated and he managed to squeeze off a couple of rounds only as a distraction because he then gets fucked up. But crushed. Yeah. yeah. This big bird monster, basically his only mission is to grab these cured folks that the Sangir family had just dropped off. So that's kind of put in a different you're like, what's going on? You know. It's sad for these people because they were just saved only to be kidnapped again. Yeah. But I'll tell you, man, these illustrations in this issue, just the movement they portray, like, I don't know, the the, the inking is... Yeah, their fight scenes. Yeah. Their fight scenes are amazing. The inking is so great. And I honestly, it reminds me a lot. We had talked about Hanna-Barbera earlier. It reminds me a lot of the Herculoids and a lot of the Hanna-Barbera cartoons, just like really, really mm-hmm. deep shading. Like even Johnny Quest, you know, it was like really, really mm. black blacks. So I had written that humans turn to Jinnu after dying with blood on their soul. That's just kind of an inference I made. But Ford, this other family member in Mississippi, mentions that as well. And then you get kind of a when going back to Ford and this basically he calls him that a peckerwood, this one guy that he let survive among these uh this lynch mob, this KKK. A group he lets him live and he kind of immediately turns a corner it's like a 180 on this guy i loved it though because it was like if you think about the situation mm-hmm. like think about if you were in the situation he's angry at ford all of his brothers and his family members just get killed but then through that anger he starts to realize you know ford's like you know what you're right maybe i should just kill you yeah, because he, you know, because you're with him and you have anger. Like you're, this is gonna, I'm gonna nip this in the bud. Right. You know what I mean? And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa! I, I never lynched anybody. I never killed. I never hurt nobody. He's like, then he starts to realize. Like, then he turns around and then he sees his people. They're monsters, and he's just like, you slowly but quickly start to see that all this is hitting him at the same time. 
And then Ford, super cool character. Yeah. He's just like, you know what? Hey, keep your soul clean. Yeah. He, and we won't ever have this problem again. And then he's just like, all right, wait, what? <laughs> what? Yeah, he's super, Ford is super badass. And I, I did like, so the Sanger family in New York is all about curing people. Like they're trying to capture these genu to cure them. But Ford mm-hmm. says, no, I'm not going to mess with yeah. that. He just kills them. So. Uh, apparently at some point he was with them and doing the family thing, but there's this event called the red summer, mm-hmm. which is a spinoff book. It has its own, it's like a one issue or one shot tie in about the red summer. And apparently a giant number of their family was killed. Yeah. And so ever since then he was like, I'm out. I'm going to go do my own thing. I'm, uh, he says that he amputates. He doesn't heal. Yeah. Which again, he's just a cool ass character, man. He's very Michael Jai White. The entire time I saw him, I was like, oh, man, that's that's Black Dynamite. Yeah. (laughs) I'll mention he kind of. So they do mention later, as far as like the Red Summer goes, um, Sylvester, it's shown that this bird monster is Miss Nightsdale. She brings these survivors, these cured people to Dr. Sylvester, and he somehow like absorbs the cure from their soul. Because their original mission is to to contact the Sangir family, uh, yeah, to to bring them into the fold, right? To use their roots in medicine, right? Um, and it's mentioned later, but there is a there is some uh, as far as the Red Summer is concerned, there is some parallel with like the Tulsa massacre, um, yeah, which I thought was cool. That's where basically Sylvester and Nightsdale come from is from the Tulsa massacre in 21. Yeah. So you see later the Ford takes this, that's why guys like following him, but he, he takes the almost lynched black man back to his family. And he like gives them, he's like, here's a gun. They know who you are now. So just like be prepared. And even them, they're like, we thought you guys didn't kill people. He's like, eh. yeah, they, they don't kill. People. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> them. But the white guy kind of tells him like, Hey, I know, uh, you know, I know where there's more of the genuine. So basically he puts himself in the story by being a pathfinder. He's like, I can tell you where to find more of these guys. He's almost so culture shocked. Like this is a world shattering thing that he's like, I really don't know what to do now. Yeah. Like, how do I keep myself clean? I'm just going to hang out with you since you know about all this shit. And then like, I'm hopefully could keep my soul clean by doing what you're doing. Yeah. And like all the racism and shit goes out the window when these people are turned into monsters. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like you find a common enemy basically. Yeah. So, um, we end the issue with Colin carrying Berg back to the shop. Yeah. Back to the shop, the singer shop. Berg had been attacked by the bird creature in the forest that was trying to take the survivors or their cured folks that they just brought back. And we end the issue with Berg being infective. He's he's in turning into a genuine, and they've never seen that before. They this it's very it just ends, and he's like, yeah, I'm infected. <laughs> like yeah, because they mentioned you can't, and they the genius don't infect. Right, it's not something that you can pass on. Right, it's it is a feeling that you have in your own heart. So it's mm-hmm. very very interesting, and I liked where it was going. I, it was. Like I said, it's very difficult to not be kind of skippy with the way I think because of how it is very smooth, mm-hmm. especially if you're reading the whole volume. Mm-hmm. 
but it, it switches from Ford. It switches back into the Sangier family. It goes to, it goes to Dr. Sylvester. Then it goes back to the, you know, it switches perspectives constantly. Yeah, it does. And it does do it smoother than other books that we've read. Uh-huh. Yeah. Berg being transformed into the monster hits hard because at this point with the family they have left, he was the, he's not the leader so much, but some, he was the, the tough one. He was the one that could go out. He was training Cullen. Cullen's not there yet. Right. So if Berg is gone and Blink isn't allowed to fight, they don't really have anybody, you know? Mm -hmm. So he was sort of the rock keeping everybody together and him, and not to mention how smart he was. He, he was the one that was holding them together. And so him, Becoming a monster really affected their family. And you kind of felt that very quickly. Yeah, for sure. The fight scenes were great. Yeah. The bird monster becoming Nightsteel, I did not expect that. Interesting quick twist. That is true. But I kind of felt like there was going to be some kind of secret. Because, uh, so, I don't know if I mentioned that, that this bird creature, Jinyu normally are pretty, like, dumb. They're whatever. But this yeah. this creature, like, knows their name, calls them by the... Talked him, yeah. just in general. Yeah. Speaks to him, calls him Sangier. Um, so yeah. Uh what did you think overall of this one? I really liked it, man. Again, this you see some fight scenes, those the emotion that is pulled from the police officers just immediately going to shoot these guys. Yeah. It kinda hits you know, hits you quickly. And Berg is just a cool, these are just cool characters. Just all the way around, these characters are cool. Everybody that's not like a hardcore racist bigot in this story is cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like even those two goofy police officers to me are great characters. Right. Because. Especially later. Just, yeah. Berg's like, hey man, don't shoot. Because something that we didn't mention in the first issue is that certain members of the police force including the chief know about the monsters and they know about the situation. So they work with the shop, mm -hmm. but not all of them do. So you have these idiots, which you learn that there are a lot more idiots on the police force. Like I'm sure was the case in the twenties. They're immediately going to shoot these guys that were honestly saving these two people's lives. You know, it, these are white people. Like they don't care. Like to them, it's just about helping people. Doesn't matter who they are. Right. And to these police officers, it's automatically like, we're just going to shoot these guys. Case closed. We're not going to do any real policing. We just found two guys that are here. Yeah. No one's going to, no one's going to say anything about them being black. So they were holding two unconscious bodies. So. <laughs> but he's like, but he told him like, Hey. Yeah. Chill. I'll there's an explanation. Call your chief. This could all be wrapped up. And their immediate reaction was like, we're going to shoot them. <laughs> right. Which backfires on them because they get eviscerated by Big Bird. Yeah. Sylvester's a cool dude, man. He's a smooth talker. Yes. So I immediately like the bad guy because they're, it's blurred because even though he's a bad guy, it's it's not like he's this. You don't really know what his motives are. Right. That was that was my thing. It's like we don't know. Because at this point, he's just makes it he's making it seem like he's trying to survive. It changes a lot when he sort of like steps into his villain role himself. Right. But yeah, the only connection to any villainy is honestly that his that Nightsdale attacks the, the Sangiers as the bird. Like yeah. that's it. Yeah. And honestly didn't even wasn't sent to attack them, really. It was really right. just to get those bodies and those police officers held them up. So kind of like jarred that whole situation up. But then he's like, okay, it's cool because it's about time that they know who we are. Mm -hmm. Just a cool guy. Cool villain. Yeah. And at this point, 
you still don't know that he's really a villain. But that leads us into issue three. The Sangria family is dealing with the aftermath from that big fight in the forest, which left Berg infected by that demon, and none of their cures are working, which really sucks. Yeah, I was sad. Everything that they had, I can't remember what it was called, the cure that they typically use. It's like some kind of root, but I don't remember. Yeah. They're using everything they can, and it's just sedating him for moments at a time. At that point, Cullen has an idea. One of the family members is not on board with it. Blink is like, absolutely not. Cullen wants to go to his uncle Enoch, which is a cool name. Yeah. But apparently it ties back it ties back to that red summer situation and Blink is like, you can't trust him because he is the reason why our parents are dead. I, and then you find, I guess they're brother and sister, I'm assuming. Well, no, I don't think, I don't. Or, well, no, you're right. You're right. Because she says, your parents got killed. My parents got killed. Yeah. Yeah. So they're cousins. They're all cousins in this situation. I love the name Enoch, though. That is very, it's a very biblical name. Yeah. Berg is, they're holding them as best as they can. Cullen still decides to leave to go to his uncle Enoch, mm. which doesn't end up well. As soon as he gets there, he's attacked by these random like bio rabbit things, creatures. <laughs> yeah, which is cool because then you inter- you're introduced to his uncle, and his uncle's a, a dick. He's like, "It's not a holiday. It's not my birthday, and I damn sure didn't invite you here. So, uh, what do you want?" <laughs> I kind of appreciate that because I feel like he's been shunned at this point yeah he's the outcast so he's got so there's that reason why cullen's there yeah and which we mentioned before about the ambiguity of some of the characters this character to me it was it was bugging it wasn't bugging me but it was like i was trying to figure it out the entire time he's lighter skinned right yeah not necessarily white but it for me it was his facial hair that i couldn't place yeah, like being he had like old white man mustache. Yeah, being a little lighter skin doesn't really mean that much. Yeah. Uh, but it, his facial hair was like really curl, like very straight. Yeah. yeah, but if I grew out a beard like that, it would it would sort of look like that. Like my mustache at least would. Right. And then not to mention my son, who's more mixed than I am, what has you know white people hair which there's no other way to explain (laughs) (laughs) so imagine if he grew a mustache to go see like that it would be like that but he's also has brown skin you know so right it's very ambiguous which i liked i ended up liking it because it does it it also just it started to make me feel like it doesn't really matter like that doesn't really matter yeah yeah that's i also appreciate it it doesn't matter the only people that matter to are the people that are the villains in this book yeah and even though he does acknowledge that he is black later on in the issue, or later on in the story, once he acknowledged it, I was like, well, if he says he's black, he's black. I, <laughs> I'm not going to argue with his fictional character. It's like that one lady that was part of the NAACP or whatever. Oh, no, that lady was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so in Mississippi, the small hillbilly boy takes him to this trailer park thing where he's like, yeah i know you know he told him in the previous issue i know where these creatures are or more of them Mm -hmm. and this guy was just like insane oozing racism yeah he was like a confederate soldier man he was like a veteran throwing the n-word out (laughs) like we're we're eating n-words over here very creepy made me uncomfortable and it's i like when books can make you feel emotions 
mm-hmm. that they're trying to make you feel. So right. he's like, I heard there is very creepy, like not even hate. It was just like creepy. I heard there, you know, there's a monster out there eating N words and, and this and this and Ford's the coolest character still. He's just like, yeah, you know, we're out hunting. <laughs> and then he's like, says something about the devil, like the devil is going to eat you. And then he just flips out, turns into a monster, gets put down pretty easily. Well, and that, so Ford calls him. And he says, is that right, devil? He says, I ain't no devil, but the devil's coming, boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he, yeah, and then he turns into that frog monster. But uh, it was interesting. It was almost like Ford could smell it out. But mainly because this guy was so hate-filled and he knew what, you know, what makes the Jinnu. Yeah, hardcore. But then you learn that this guy is different. It's a different sort of demon that they have not been introduced to ever in their family. He says that most of the time it's humans turning into demons, but this guy was a demon pretending to be a human, and they call them gatekeepers. They they basically guard the gates to the realm where these monsters come from. Mm-hmm. And so he starts tearing up the house. And this kid, again, even though he was part of the KKK, in sort of a, you know, this was my family, this is my family. Introductory. Does. Yeah. So <laughs> like, like you, hey, come on, it's, come on, it's time. Yeah. This is his whole life is just a culture shock. So he's just sitting there like, what do I do now? And Ford knows what he's looking for. He's looking for some sort of gate or map to a gate or some sort of reference to the gate. Flips over this picture and sees his map. And he's like, okay, so the red summer happened. Then all of these monsters started attacking or all these monsters started attacking leading up to the red summer. And everything that's marked on this map is where they attacked. That means these have to be the gates. So, you know, now I have, basically I have a way to hunt, you know, like I, now I have a starting point or whatever, more of a defined line of where I need to go. But he also was like, if things aren't bad back home, they're about to be, I guess, just looking at his map. Yeah. So back in New York, the police have mobilized because of the death of the two police officers. And instead, and this is very 1920s, very old school police mentality. Now, I'm not going to talk about current police mentality, but <laughs> they hmm. they said, you know what, we're going to, these black people are, I, can't, I guess they were at a party or something or some sort of event. Yeah, they were like a nightclub. Instead of going and doing real policing again, they said, listen, we're looking for some people that killed cops. Who wants to kill cops? Black people. Let's just go beat up all these black people until we find something out. And so they're just going to this place. Right. Just beating the shit out of all these people. And it's just. Again, one of those moments that pull sort of emotions as you that it's trying to. So they're beating these people up. Well, not only that, but I mean, it parallels. Yeah. Like you said, like it parallels with modern times. This this isn't sequestered to the 20s. Yeah, for sure. Sullivan and Samuels are the, the cop duo that I'm talking about from the beginning. They're just two B cops. They're not necessarily full of hate. They're just kind of in the times. Like, oh, you know, those aren't my people because they're weird. Not necessarily like, I don't like them because they're black or whatever. They show up and they know. They even mention like, hey, man, this isn't right. But they don't really say, like, they don't make a stance, which kind of sucks. They're, the silence becomes a bigger problem when Sullivan walks up onto these police officers and finally says something like, hey, I think you had enough. Like, ease up, and they turn around, they're like, what are you looking at? And they're like, freaking monsters now. Yeah, the, and the image of the, the man that they have is just terrible. Beat down, yeah. which is like real life, you know? He that's fucked up, yeah. So sad. 
And then Sylvester, which we hadn't talked about before, at the beginning of the issue, he realizes that he cannot extract the cure from these two people, like he thought he could. But he steps into his villain moment, and he becomes sort of holier than thou. He's like, you know what? I don't need the cure from them. I am the cure. We need to just kill the the demons, which are basically the uh, people that are, I don't know, inciting hate. Yeah. I don't yeah. want to say directly white people, because it, it's not necessarily that I mean, cut and dry. It is mentioned later in the book that he says, black people, we don't turn into genuine. We just don't have it in yeah. us. So... Yeah, Cullen says that to to his uncle. Yeah, it is mostly. <laughs> it is. In this situation, it is. But I feel like, because they work with the people that, like, they help shelter people later on and stuff like that. So it's not so, like. You know, no, especially. driven on their part. Like you said, the cop. Yeah, definitely. He helps shelter. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's interesting. Sylvester, he definitely looks like a, like a genie. He looks like Jafar <laughs> to me. He's evil. Yeah, he looks crazy. He starts absorbing the hate, I think, or something from... I don't really know. He, like, he grips his arm, and then you see, like, things jettisoning out of these Genu... Police officers, yeah. Police officers, yeah, like, coming out of their mouths, coming out of their heads. So you're not quite sure what that is, but you do see him just straight up rip the head off of one of these police Yeah, he's officers, talking straight to them. He's like, you think... Because one of them, like, snarls at him, and he's like, I'm not afraid of you. Mm-hmm. Like even though you're you know a beast now, you should still be afraid of me because you know what's about to happen. And then he yanks his head off, absorbs absorbs his head. Yeah, and that's it. That's the end of the issue. Yeah, there's only uh one other thing I would mention is that you see the elder of the Sangir, Mama Edda. Is that correct? Yeah, you see her as kind of a frail character, but in this one, she really shows that she's still got it. You know, and she's yeah, she is a badass. She knocks the shit out of Berg when he starts stepping out of line, and she says to him numerous times, "I'm not gonna do this shit." Basically, like I, you're my family, yeah, and I will, I'll kill you. Yeah, she, it'll be me. Like I'll do it. Yeah, she says, "I'm not running for my kin." Yeah, what'd you think about this issue? Issue three. Another, I mean, it was another good one, man. I have, I have nothing to say. One thing I thought was interesting and I like a lot. I say interesting a lot. The more I listen to our podcast, it's probably, (laughs) I say it so much, but I liked how the, uh, Southern, like this guy that turns into the demon or whatever you want to call it. I like that the demon itself isn't consistently drawn. Like it's kind of frog ish, but. Every panel, it looks a little bit different, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is cool. Sort of like a like an ever changing. Yeah, thing. yeah, man. I like I said, I, I up to this point, I have nothing negative to say. Yeah, for me, it is very rare that I get three issues in, and I think a story is still completely engaging mm-hmm. and entertaining without much to say. The story evolves. You learn more of the character struggles. You don't need the subtle backstory. You get enough. You don't need deep dives into the history of the Red Summer. You know it was a tragic event that the family was killed in. You don't need the history. You know that the uncle was shunned. You know he knows more about the dark arts. That's all you really need. You must not be named, man. (laughs) So I appreciate that. The confrontation buildup is good. I'm in. Uh, Issue three, I was like, damn, this is good. (laughs) Yeah. I don't want to see this as a movie, but like an animated series. I could see it as, even a motion comic. I think it would be great. Ooh, killer. 
Mm-hmm. But like LaShawn Thomas, the guy that did Boondocks or like Black Dynamite, that animation style. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that would be good. Oh, my God. It would be. They got to keep the colors, though, man. The colors yeah. really make it. Yeah, for sure. And even the exaggerated lines. Yeah. You know I mean, like the battle scenes, like the lines get more exaggerated to, to display like the motion. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dude. So, so insane. Yeah, I'm, I'm in. The tension is brewed up so much that you have to read the next issue mm-hmm. at this point. Right. And even in the next issue, you're like, I got to read. It, it makes you want to read the next issue, which is an all-star book for me. So far, I'm in. No complaints either here. Yeah. Okay, yeah. We're going to talk about issue four, and you were going to take away the mic. <laughs> Simon Welch on the mic. No, I'm not going <laughs> to embarrass myself. So... There's a so Dejinu are now taking over Harlem. There's it seems to be a bit of a time jump. Like you mm-hmm. see Doctor Sylvester make his presence known, and he still seems morally ambiguous. Like he seems like he's still doing the work that the Sengir family is trying to do because he is like biting the heads off of these demons and like cutting them up and doing all kinds of crazy shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's his, what's his motive? Like, why is he doing it though? You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Um, Enoch and Colin are rushing back to help Berg who I will say this is the only, I, I don't know. It's not a complaint, but Berg after being punched out by mom, Etta, is now like lucid. Yeah, my only complaint about the in, the entire book. Yeah, he is now lucid. He's like, hey, you know, you can let me go. Like I'm cool now. Yeah. For the past two issues, he's raging, incoherent. He could he's he's so eloquent, and everything he says is just you have to have a dictionary at the source next to you to understand him. And then the past two issues, he's just a complete rage monster. The first time you hear him talking to this, he's just like, hey. Yeah, like nothing ever happened. I'm just like, well, to me, it was a little jarring. Yeah, and and that's why I can only say there's a time jump because within that same couple of panels, Blink is now like suited up, like yeah. looking real crazy, and she's fighting monsters. And yeah, she's outside fighting. Yeah, yeah. It it, it went from like there were cops that turned into genuine, like the to where Harlem itself has been invaded everybody's turning bad. In fact, some of these characters, like even though he mentions like black folk don't turn into genuine, like some of these characters within these panels, Mm -hmm. and I can only guess because of the ambiguousness of the coloring that based on their hair, you know, I I don't want to take it there, but that's all I can really, you know, distinguishing factors. Colin and Enoch are rushing back to the Sangir family, you know, whatever at <laughs> their shop mm-hmm. and they're attacked by monsters. They they're on their way and they've got all their, his little creatures, his little squirrely creatures and they get attacked and they get blown off of their motorcycle by the bird creature. And that starts like another titular battle. Like there's this battle going on in Harlem with Sylvester. And now Nithsdale is attacking Enoch and Cullen. Yeah, that was the part that I was talking about, too. When they're racing back, Colin says, black people can't get, I can't turn into Genu. And then Enoch says, yeah, we can't, but. And so I was like, okay, well, he acknowledges that he's black. And that was the only time they do it. And at that point, I was just like, yeah, it doesn't matter if he is or not. Yeah, so maybe, oh, you mean like, yeah, we. Um, 
So yeah. maybe that's what's happening. Maybe Sylvester's presence is turning these people. Like he doesn't realize that his presence is yeah, I don't know. turning these people. And that's why the Sengers are having to fight. Yeah, maybe he's creating these monsters. Yeah. Because you show him start bringing monsters in through the gates. Yeah. Uh, after this bird fight. Bird fight! <laughs> ah! <laughs> <laughs> I will say, so there's another section where... Colin shoots somebody with these same roots and he's almost surprised that it cures this guy, mm -hmm. which I thought was kind of interesting because I, I thought everybody knew that, you know, among their family. Yeah. But yeah, so they scare away the bird monster, managed to get away. I think maybe the only way that I interpreted that, and I because I thought the same thing when I first read it, was that he hasn't successfully done it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Because remember in the first issue... He he was supposed to heal that guy. He was like, they said you had to do it because you you're never going to be able to do it if you don't practice. And he injects that um, he injects that one monster and it doesn't work. And then Berg's like, yeah, you got closer this time. And then he does it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's the only thing that I made reason out of. That that makes sense. This is where I noted that a lot of the monsters kind of remind me of Hanna Barbera cartoons, just because of how dark they are. This is the first time we hear the word Enzanto. Mm. So I believe it's Enoch that talks about it when he meets the bird creatures. Like these are creatures that are turned from intense sorrow. It's different from a Jinnu. Jinnu turns from hate. And would that would make sense because they're fighting Dr. Uh, I mean, Nightsdale, Mrs. Nightsdale, who was in the Tulsa massacre as well as Dr. Sylvester. So, it would make sense that that would be intense sorrow because... And they connected that way. Right. And so a lot of people... You know, sometimes in relationships, people connect through sorrow. Absolutely, yeah. So, yeah, basically, Ford makes it back to New York. He kind of mentions that in the last issue, but he's like, I got to go home. He makes it back to Harlem. Uh, so the family's back together. Ma Etta shows more colors that she's fucking badass. Yeah, she kills them, dude. Yeah, super cool. <laughs> but at this point, you start to see that again. Okay, so I have two complaints: <laughs> is the the time jump and Doctor Sylvester is basically doing the monster with the cause again, as as we mentioned last week. He goes from being like seemingly on their side to now he's bringing other demons in. Yeah, you know. So yeah, you know, I don't know. So now he not only because I was confused at his right. motive, like he wanted to kill all the demons, but now he is bringing demons in. Yeah. So basically so now it's just like to kill all the demons. He brings in demons. It's almost like he doesn't understand what he's doing. Like he he's so infected now. Maybe he's losing grip. Yeah. So he basically becomes a gatekeeper. Um, you start to see demons come straight out. Uh, from behind him, yeah. gateway, and then, like what had happened previously to Enoch, Colin gets sucked in through one of these gateways. Yeah. that was that was a. I was like, damn, I didn't expect it to happen, but it was also it could have been predictable if I wasn't so wrapped up in the story. Yeah, Just like you said, Ford shows up, and it, it's one of those at the cool guy moments. Like, yeah, Berg is I'm... the smart Hulk, and he's beating the shit out of these guys, but there's too many. And so all of a sudden you see all these heads explode around him and he's just like, I don't know. Yeah. I kind of yeah. <laughs> chew gum and take names. Yeah. And 
something that we see in Berg in this issue that I wish we would have gotten a little bit sprinkled throughout the series while he was infected was him slipping in and out of consciousness or in and out of coherentness. Mm. Like, because he says, he mentions it at the end of this issue where he's like, I can't, I feel it spreading. I can't stop it. We need to figure something out. Yeah. It didn't do, it was like, rah, rah, rah. Oh, hey, I'm all right. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just wish we would have got a little bit more, more of that in between. But they did mention it, which I appreciate that they did acknowledge that he is still sick. Not just like a monster now. <laughs> yeah. Like you said, not just smart hold. Yeah. Enoch mentions not again. Right. Right before Cullen goes to the, the thing. And it just, you just kind of feel for Cullen. He's, he doesn't really want to do that shit, man. <laughs> he doesn't want to hunt monsters. He doesn't want to do any of that. Right. And that's, I mean, that's uh, as much as the KK guy, K guy was like indoctrinated in. Yeah. You can almost see the same thing. Not that I'm saying that the KKK thing is okay, but I'm yeah, saying like, but it's sort of like a parallel. Yeah, people get indoctrinated into all kinds of shit just because their family—that's their legacy. So, 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 are you are you still in at this issue? We have our first complaints, but that I oh, agree yeah. with you. My complaint, I mean, my complaint is the same thing. When I read that, like, she's about to because she her dialogue is very distinct. She's talking to him, saying, "I'm, I'm you know." I hate to do it, but I'm I'm going to kill you. And then he's like, "Oh, hey, don't do." It. And so I immediately thought, like, "Oh, he's tricking her." Mm -hmm. But that never happens. Yeah, it's I, just like, "Oh no, I'm 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 good." I kind of saw that too. Yeah, no, I'm still in those. Those complaints are minor for what I consider to be, you know, what feels like a complete story. Yeah. So for five issues worth of story, yeah, no, I'm still in. Yeah, me too. All right, so we're jumping into issue five of Bitter Root. Cullen has been pulled into the vortex where he emerges on the other side to see some people waiting for him. I can't remember if it's one or two, but someone... It's just one, and there's also some of Enoch's creatures. Random. Yeah, so that person scoops him up. They seem to know who he is, and they run off, which that was interesting to me. And it's interesting that it was very... I, I love that they kept that very short. Mm-hmm. They didn't like do too much like foreboding or anything like that. She was just like, oh, hey, grabs them and it runs off. And then you go straight back to a big action scene, which is going to pull your, you know, attention to that. Harlem is continuing just this, or Sylvester is continuing this giant attack on Harlem. And he decides to take the fight to Enoch. Enoch's doing all these, al this is a cool scene. Emo Enoch knows alchemy and he does all these like magic tricks. And Sylvester's like, nah. It doesn't work on me, man. Sorry. Yeah, it was kind of that. That was a little disappointing because you think it's going to be like this cool new power, and he's like, "Yeah, no." It's like, "Nah, sorry, dude." But it also plays to the fact that Enoch is realizing that Sylvester is different than anything he's seen before, mm -hmm. and so you know, typical family story. In order to beat the bad guy, the family has to come together. Yeah, they're starting to attack Sylvester, and then Nightstale comes in at the last moment and she gets fucked up ford ends up like hey we can't let him get away shoots her a few times she's like oh i got hit but they still make it away mm. back at the evil lair <laughs> you see that she's actually dying they you find out that they were sort of like you know two people connected through sorrow like we talked about so he cared about her he loved her she dies so then it fuels his 
walk into the villain role even more. Now he's fueled by rage and hate. Right. So he sort of starts slipping from his original agenda even more. The family back at the shop is helping the people survive, which I thought was cool. That's a and and I will say that kind of made me feel like there was another time jump because it's like we're feeding the hungry. It's like how hungry can they be? It's only been a couple hours. Yeah, right. But I did like maybe it's from like the initial time jump. Maybe and like they finally got settled down like to where there's not really you know people fighting for their lives, so people are trying to like get situated. Yeah, I did like in that sequence we see the the cops that were you know. Aware yeah, Sullivan and whatever his name is. Yeah, they're helping, you know, spoon out soup or whatever. And the Hillbilly former KKK members, they're helping too. Mm-hmm. I really do. I love that he became Ford's sidekick. Yeah. I didn't expect it and it, I didn't expect to like it, but it, I, I love it because he even has like a belt on with like some, you can tell he has like some sort of gadgets on it. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was cool. So there, Blink is just ready to fight. She's like, I don't even care about these people, but. Edda's trying to say, hey, this is what we do. We're going to fight the fight when the fight comes, but this is also part of our family's duties to take care of people. So we're going to feed these people, make sure they're okay. Duties. So that was a good that was a good note. Berg, they're worried about Berg not being able to be cured. Ford is ready to put him down, if <laughs> not, which is intense. Ford is just an intense character. Yeah, very. But uh, it works. Yeah, Enoch comes up with this in concoction. It works. He's good as new, but he still has some sort of connection to the hive, I guess. That's the first time they acknowledge some sort of hive mind. But this is also the first time that a character has been cured in this situation. Like, you know, because he was like infected and they've never seen him before. So as soon as he comes to, he's like, hey, he's here. Sylvester's here in a fit of rage, angry, willing to about to kill the whole family. Then you see two people pop up, new allies arrive. And it turns the tide because it looks like they're going to get their ass kicked. But these two strangers pop out of the portal and they they deliver not a death blow, but at least they knock Sylvester down at least to the point where they're like, we got to retreat. Yeah. And the family doesn't really know how to take these two people because they've never seen people jump through these gates or at least as long as they've been seeing these gates. And they look cool. And um, and they look great. Mm-hmm. But they automatically they know them just like the same lady knew or the same person knew. Cullen, whenever he walked in there, she's like, Ford, don't point that thing at me. Takes off her mask, and it's Blink's mom. And then the other guy takes off his mask, and he's like, hey, we don't have time for this right now. And it's like this hardened warrior with like a scar on his face. Looks like a badass. And they're like, Cullen? Yeah. He's like, we're we're not talking about that right now. Then it it ends. That's it, yeah. Oof. What'd you think? What'd you think of issue five? There was a lot, and I glossed over it. I've been trying to keep my summaries packed. What'd you think of issue five? It's a, uh, it is a lot to take in, but yeah. I, I thought it was great. There's a lot of like weird time jumps. The only, another complaint I have, again, this doesn't detract from the whole experience, but it, it does exist. So I'll acknowledge. So like, it's that Dr. Sylvester leaves, right? I don't know. How, it says hours later, but he leaves with Dr. Nightscale and you know, he's like, oh, whatever. It's terrible. So, like, he retreats. But then he comes back. Like, hours later. Right back. Yeah, right back. As if something's going to change with his situation. And then he runs away again. <laughs> it's just, yeah. Like, the same I, thing happens. He goes there. He gets knocked down. He's like, uh, I'm out. I can't remember if something significant happened in that panel where he leaves. 
no, it's just that the Cullen and and this mystery character, which uh, is revealed to be Blink's mother, yeah, who was sucked into the void years years before, I assume. Which is weird because Enoch says, "I watched her die," which I don't know if it means he watched her go through the portal, yeah, or what. I don't know if there was more to that. Yeah, well, it seems I I don't know because I honestly I saw the one person and. And I wrote in my notes, like, I can only assume this is the family that he said, you know, got that died mm-hmm. because she says, oh, I've got you calling or whatever. But, yeah, it was just kind of a, a big jump. I don't know. Maybe honestly would have liked to see this reveal in a further issue, maybe in the next volume. I like that. That's how like issue six. Yeah, I like how they ended it. But at the same time, it was kind of like to bring dr sylvester back just for this to happen just for him to leave again yeah was kind of a weird jump it still was executed pretty well but i feel like they wanted to i could have done with the mom reveal in issue six i feel like colin was the was the full circle we don't know if we're gonna do another volume like now colin's a badass so that's intriguing you know what i mean so like that's why oh for sure yeah so what'd you think again none of this detracts from the whole thing We've read yeah. quite a few books that have tried to accomplish the same thing in five issues, and I feel like this one has done it more successfully than a lot of those. Yeah, even though there were jump, even though it jumped around from three stories, you know, like three perspectives, it, the pacing was great. Mm-hmm. Even though it did, they had to fall on time jumps towards the end, but they weren't like five years later time jumps. It was like a few, maybe a few days few hours but it wasn't like year like you know cullen went to see enoch their conversation never get resolved gets resolved he talks to him and he's just like this is why i'm here but then next you know they're on the road so there's it's not like huge tie jokes but i get what you're saying like they had to resolve if it's gonna be five issues they had to sort of condense it where they could and they it it works still somehow yeah yeah i liked it it's good man what did you think about so overall you enjoyed Bitter Room. I'm I'm surprised that I enjoyed it so much because this is another one of those books that I read when it first came out. I know I've read the first five issues and never I didn't keep up with it. But as a reread, I'm always worried since Life Story was such a hard reread for me. <laughs> yeah. But man, I think I like this even more than I originally because now I need to know what happened in this Red Summer book. I want to read that. Yeah, and I want to read the second volume just as a leisure thing, like not even just for the podcast. Right. Yeah. 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 Let's talk about the art for a second. Yeah. As as mentioned, I'll just kind of go first. As mentioned before, like I like the art. I mean, I didn't just like it; I loved it. I think it was the perfect mix of being sketchy while also being uh, defined. And this is another one of those things, like the art and the inks itself does a lot of work, but the coloring does so much work. Yeah, we're suckers for color. Yeah, really great. They added like a good, like paper grain over all the art, like a digital grain over everything. So yeah. the 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 colors, like I said, are very. They feel period appropriate. It just feels very jazzy. I don't know if that makes sense. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not, no, it definitely does. And with that added grain, it feels old. And I, man, it's good. I I really enjoyed it. I'm with you. I like exaggerated art styles. 
as you've heard me mention before, I love Tradmore and how his is sort of like a more extreme version of exaggerated art style. Very smooth. But this, very exaggerated. And the color, it's, it's got to be a perfect combination. Mm-hmm. We, you said the color added so much to it, and it, it has to be the perfect combination. Like if the coloring and the, and the grain and all those things weren't there, I don't think I would have such a high praise. Not saying that I would, I would still love it, but I'm saying like the high, the praise is just like, it's top tier to me. Yeah. Like you could put this style on a superhero book and it would just, it would instantly be one of my favorites just because it has those, those action sequences in this sort of story. It just blew me away. Right. And it looks like, I guess the color artist, also did he was one of the artists like there were two color artists but sanford green i assume is the artist yeah did a lot of coloring as well insane top tier in my book it's been some of the best that we've seen that we've read on the podcast in my opinion yeah i agree as far as a total story art everything like i mentioned before this story in a previous podcast maybe last week this story did a really good job at capping it off. Could be done. Yeah. I definitely don't want it to be, but could be. Right. You know, like, yeah, the the villain ending was sort of weak. It would have been a very weak ending. Yeah. But it, it, to me, it was more about the introduction of the... But yes, I agree. Like, if that had been it... Mm. It would have sucked, but it could have. You know what I mean? Like, it could have been. Right. Rather than it just being like a complete cliffhanger. At least it wasn't a cliffhanger. The cliffhanger was there's still more fight, which you would assume there would still be more fight because there's monsters everywhere. Yeah, so monsters. You know, that's this assumption, but I can't wait to read the second volume. I loved everything about this book. Yeah. I didn't expect to, um, and it didn't take me, some books take me a few issues to get into it and appreciate like it. I'll get into a book and then like getting to issue three makes me appreciate issue one and two, but it just, it was a steady build the entire time. Well, and I think that, I think that this book has something for you to enjoy immediately. And like you said, so you've read it twice now, so you could enjoy it immediately, but then it gave you something to focus on in subsequent readings. If that makes sense. I will say thinking about it now, like issue five, the ending to me is weaker than I would like, but I hope that it's at the sake of the second arc being you know what I mean? Like kind of like taking a dip and then sort of picking back up. Sort of like this volume one started off high and then sort of like never really dipped to me. Yeah, so it, to play devil's advocate, I'd hate for them to do it for the sake of a sequel, so to speak, like you yeah. would do with movies. But um, that was really my only con with issue five is that it was really rushed. To, to me, it felt really rushed. But again. Yeah, it's one of those books that could have, I would not have been mad if it was one through six in volume yeah. one but again i i can't say like maybe i'm biased i don't know but i really enjoyed it um and again you and i have tried to get better about being so one-sided about like i hate this book yeah because all these reasons i love this book there's nothing wrong with it so i mean obviously we try to you know have some sort of cons with it yeah i got the great and chart out i already know where i'm going with it I'm looking around, but I'm going back to the same one. Yeah, I think I, I got it. I got mine. All right, what you got? I might go G4. To me, that's perfect. G4. <laughs> All right. I am 
I'm going to give this book, Bitterroot, Volume 1, E5. That's the same. Pretty much yeah, the same. Mine's a little more golden, <laughs> but yeah. But yeah, it's preference. Like, that's... Yeah. If I got that, I'd be like, hell yeah. Hell yeah. You, you must damn toast. toasted us right. <laughs> you got this that's shit toast. right. I think that's going to be the next shirt. It's <laughs> just going to say, that's toast. That's toast. That's toast. I loved it. Yeah. Knocked it out. These guys knocked it out of the park. I cannot... I, if this is not option for some sort of further medium, I would be surprised. Yeah. Uh, give yeah. me some of these Bitterroot action figures because they're yeah. they're dope. Yeah. I, yeah, I have to ask what you thought about all the the weaponry before we go. Well, yeah, like you said, I mean, my my undergrad art was very much like this. Very not yep. I would say I don't like to say steampunky because I don't want to fall into that crew of weirdos, but kind of like that, like anachronistic but of the times, if that makes any yeah. sense. And I thought it was great. I thought it was super cool. I love all the tubes, like just like mm-hmm. you said, like ah, all that stuff just mm. It's, it, yeah. it makes it artistic. It's not just a weapon; it's artistic. I love that it was. I love that it was so detailed, but not referenced in a in the sense that it was like so important. Mm-hmm. Like it was secondary, and I, I really, for some reason, I really appreciated that. And maybe if the story wasn't so good and the art wasn't so good, maybe I would need more of an explanation on who's creating these things, right? Where they get this stuff. But it just it just kind of got lost in the world. Yeah, it's and, not like this is the sacred gun of Aganath, and there's only yeah. one. It's like, yeah, you can have this gun. It'll help you. You know, he helps that one family. Yeah, you can have this one. Because at one point, Etta uses this gauntlet that just has these spikes of syringes on it and just, like, punches the shit out of Berg with it to knock him out. And I'm just like, if the story was bad, maybe I would need an explanation on who thought of that. But... <laughs> I did. It just to me, it just yeah. I romanticized it, and I, 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 I like yeah. it. Yeah, uh, good, good stuff. Well, there it is, folks. Uh, we enjoyed it. We liked it. I strongly suggest this. Yeah, mm-hmm. check it out. We're circling the drain, so that's gonna do it. It's great talking to you. Bro. Yeah, like always. Thank you for su- suggesting such a great book. Glad you like yeah. it. Yeah. So thank you for the creators of Bitter Root. Absolutely. And uh, we will see you guys next time. <laughs>